Wesley Billingsley was an up-and-comer in the business world. Having graduated from San Diego State University in 2016 with a business degree, Wes played a major role in two different startup companies. Shortly after he graduated, he left San Diego to move back to Sacramento, California, where he was from and where his mother still resided. Wesley's goal was to save money and then return to San Diego. In February of 2018, he would finally move back. However, he fell on some difficult times and ended up couch surfing between some friends' places. On the evening of June 12, 2018, Wesley was supposed to meet up with some friends for dinner. Wesley would not show up. On June 13th, Wes had plans to help some friends move. Again, Wesley would not show up. In fact, no one would see or hear from Wesley again. Where is Wesley Billingsley? Welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. This week's episode on Wesley Billingsley is so bizarre. When I first began looking into this case, I fully expected, as with many young men that go missing, to be taken down several rabbit holes and have an abundance of information to sort through and figure out. Here was this young man, a recent college graduate and running two businesses, Then he just vanished into thin air. However, there would be no rabbit holes to go down here. Every lead was a dead end. It seems when you make it so far into the discovery, everyone shuts down. So the case of Wesley Billingsley haunts me. Where is he? Before we jump into the details of Wesley's disappearance, I have a few quick announcements about the show. Our first bonus episode went live on Patreon last week, The Case of Denise Hiraman. You can support the show on Patreon for just $3 a month to have access to Friday bonus episodes and other perks that we will be bringing there. A portion of all fees raised will be donated back to our charity partners. 
And a huge thank you and welcome to our new patrons this week, Didi, Sarah R., Sarah P., and Mitchell, aka The Mitchman. If you'd like more info, you can find a Patreon link in our show notes. Also, a big thank you to this week's partner, Skillshare. I've partnered with them before, and I can't advocate for them enough. I recommend this site to everyone in my personal life, so partnering with them for the show was a no-brainer. For as low as $10 a month, you can take online courses on almost any creative or business topic. Skillshare courses are how I learned the skill of creating websites, recording and editing podcasts, and just last night I took a two-hour, pretty extensive course on iMovie. One of our goals is to create better video projects, and this course was perfect. Skillshare is offering our listeners a free month of classes. If you're not sure, sign up, schedule a calendar reminder to cancel if you find out it's not for you, and give it a try. Take as many courses as you can during that month. The link will be in our show notes and posted on our social media. Remember, supporting our partners also helps support the show. So thank you all so much and a thank you to Skillshare for their free month offer. And our last announcement, our YouTube video is up this week covering the case of Nanette Thomas. Please go check that out. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and give the video a thumbs up as it really helps those cases get more exposure. I also think it's always great to put more faces to the case and see more visual information. Okay, enough of the housekeeping items. Let's talk about Wesley Billingsley. Wesley Billingsley, also going by Wes a lot of the time, was born on August 17, 1993. He grew up in Sacramento, California with single mom Crystal and three older siblings. Wesley attended San Diego State University and fell in love with the San Diego area. While at the university, Wes was very social, joining a fraternity and enjoying everything about being in college in Southern California. It was noted that the fraternity he was in was a rowdy one, a partying fraternity that would see several suspensions from the university and sexual harassment charges during that time that Wesley was a part of it. It doesn't appear that Wesley, however, was ever a part of those charges or committed any crime at all while at San Diego State University. Wes graduated in 2016 with a business communications and marketing degree. He eventually made the decision to move back to Sacramento, live at home for a while to save money, and then return to San Diego. His mother, Crystal, has said that his goal was really always to get back to Southern California. He felt at home there, and he really thought that's where he could make a good future for himself. In February of 2018, Wesley was finally ready to move back. He headed off to San Diego, and he would move in with some roommates. And in addition to being part of two startup companies, he was working in ad sales as well. However, despite regular contact between Crystal and Wesley, Crystal said that she was unaware that her son had just lost his job and the friends that he was living with had asked him to leave since he could no longer contribute to the rent. 
Crystal said it pained her to hear this later. Every time she had talked to him on the phone, he seemed happy, upbeat, and positive. But in reality, things were falling apart, and he did not want to worry his mother. So Wes had begun couch surfing, spending his time between three different friends' houses in the Pacific Beach area. Most of his personal belongings were kept in his black Ford Expedition truck. Wesley had supposedly lost his job in advertising sales, but he was still working his two businesses. BAM Entertainment worked among the club promoter scene, booking and scheduling talent, and he was also the co-founder of On Deck Official. On Deck Official is still around, being run actually by Wesley's business partner, Dylan Talley. Here is what is said about On Deck Official on their webpage. In 2015, On Deck was established in San Diego, California by a group of young artists and entrepreneurs. We started On Deck as a lifestyle brand and a platform for ourselves and other upcoming artists to create fashion, music, and events. We have since grown far beyond our home in Southern California, and we are currently headquartered in Los Angeles. On Deck was made by creators for creators and continues to provide a platform for upcoming artists to express themselves. On Deck is the future of style and sound. There is a line of clothing being sold on their website, but not sure what else that that business all entails. And since Wesley had also created an entertainment company, BAM Entertainment, I think it's safe to say that Wesley enjoyed the entertainment industry as well as being an entrepreneur. And this would come up later as it becomes a distinct possibility that this partying club scene may have led him to drugs and an unsavory crowd of people. Now, as Wesley couch surfed in Pacific Beach, he was known to frequent the Vons grocery store even knowing the cashiers there by name. On the morning of June 12, 2018, Wes drove by this Vons store in Pacific Beach, saw some people he knew, smiled, and waved as he rode by. Little did those people know they would be the last ones to see Wesley Billingsley. On the evening of June 12, Wes had plans to meet up with some friends for dinner, but he was a no-show. The next day, June 13th, he had told some friends he would help them move. Again, Wesley was a no-show. In the meantime, Mom Crystal reaches out to Wes, but receives no reply. Usually a daily poster on social media, Wesley has posted nothing at all there. It does seem odd, but his mom initially doesn't think much of it. After all, he is a 24-year-old young man. However, soon some friends would reach out to Crystal to let her know they haven't seen or heard from Wesley. It was then Crystal who reported Wesley missing. This is a tough one for San Diego PD. Here is a young man who just seemed to vanish. But he didn't really have a stable home in the area. And as an adult, he certainly has every right to disappear. They told Crystal that he probably just needed a mental break, especially since he had recently lost his job and had become homeless. But Crystal's mother's intuition told her otherwise. She just knew that something was wrong, 
and would make the eight-and-a-half-hour drive down to San Diego. Crystal started out by going to the Vons store and talking to people and putting up posters for her missing son. As the days turned into weeks, there would be no leads, no clues, and absolutely no signs of Wesley anywhere. Now, police did start to pursue this case as a missing persons, but they were also left with no viable leads to work with, leading many to still believe that Wesley just took off on his own. That is, until two months later, a discovery is made, leading everyone to ask even more questions. Wesley's large black Ford Expedition is found abandoned in a rural area of the South Bay area, which is about 20 minutes south of Pacific Beach. South Bay is near the Mexico border, but the area where his truck was found doesn't indicate that his intention was to go to Mexico. It was on a dirt road surrounded by horse farms, not exactly somewhere you would park and then walk to the border, although still some thought that is likely what happened. Wesley just went to Mexico. It also appeared that most of his belongings were still in the truck, although it does not specifically mention items such as his cell phone, wallet, or any of those items you would carry around day to day. Crystal would take a translator with her, cross into Mexico herself, and file a missing persons report with the Mexican authorities. Interesting fact, in the past, Mexico would share John Doe's they came across or even crime stats with the U.S. consulate, but they had stopped doing that a few years ago. As the investigations would continue, Crystal would go to Mexico several times to visit the morgue and look through the books and books of photographs of unidentified bodies that came through. Again, in the past, if the Mexican officials came across somebody that they believed was from America or looked American, they would share that data with the consulate. Since they no longer do that, Crystal took it upon herself to investigate every body that was found. Crystal estimated that she had looked through over 1,200 profiles of men that were found in Mexico, which is horrible, an unimaginable task, but Crystal was determined to do everything she could to find her son. No stone would be left unturned. Crystal also worked tirelessly to keep the media on top of Wesley's story, but it was hard. Local media would pick up her story here and there, but not much attention was given beyond that. And even with that coverage, Crystal said she has had to work to obtain the media that she has for Wesley. This is clearly a mother who loves her son beyond measure and would do anything to find him and bring him home, or at least find answers. Take a listen to some news clips with some interviews with Crystal. You can hear the desperation in her voice. connected to your child you know people say oh his birthday must be hard well christmas is hard thanksgiving is hard and easter is hard and summer is hard and it's just constant he just posts everything every day and sometimes i would say to him Wesley, you can't, shouldn't put everything on there the whole world can see it and he's like it's all right mom it's all good i want them to see wesley's face i want them to know that i'm still searching for him i want them to see him on the trees 
people have moved on and life has gone on and, and he's still missing. You know, life hasn't moved on for me and my family. We're still searching for him. Is he still alive? Is he not alive? Is he out there? Is he not? I mean, did someone hurt him? Did someone do something to him? San Diego County in particular has a large number of missing persons cases. In 2020, there were 1,100 adults reported missing. Of those, 24 are still open. Investigators say their proximity to the border plays a role in those numbers and that most people are found pretty quickly as they just come home. But even more alarming in 2020, there were 900 children reported missing from San Diego County. And of those, 100 of them are still open cases. So far in 2021, the Missing Persons Unit in San Diego says they have 53 open missing persons cases currently. Looking at these numbers, I get the struggle of law enforcement. Is there enough manpower for the sheer number of cases? And how much time do you devote to each case, especially in an area when over 98% of adults come home on their own accord within a week? But what about those other 2%? It's a battle that seems almost impossible to win. And I definitely get the struggle of a mother whose heart is breaking. Her world has stopped, but for everyone else, it continues to go on. And the pain must be constant. For some reason, this case reminds me a bit of the McStay family case. In 2010, a family in California, the McStay family, vanished. Rumors were rampant that they crossed over to Mexico, and there was even some grainy surveillance footage that was believed to have been them doing just that. The McStay family consisted of a mother and father and two young children. However, that surveillance footage would turn out to not be them. But this got me to thinking that if Wesley did go to Mexico, shouldn't there be some surveillance footage? So I went in search of any surveillance they may have regarding Wesley. Not just possible border crossing footage, but in Pacific Beach in general, at the Vons. But I found nothing. Apparently, It was a case of too much time had gone by before investigators started asking for surveillance, and any footage that was obtained was likely gone by then. Also, the camera situation at the border changes all the time, and we can't even be sure there was a working camera going from the United States side into the Mexican side. So, no footage. And since a lot of the talk is that maybe Wesley ran off to Mexico, having some footage from that day might have been very helpful to this case. Back to the McStay family story, tragically, their bodies would be found in 2013, some three and a half years after they went missing, out in the California desert. A suspect was arrested a year later. That suspect, Chase Merritt, was Joseph McStay's business partner. This leads me to having some questions about Wesley's business partners. 
He was involved in a couple of startup businesses. So what do we know about that? Not only his business partners, but any business associates that he dealt with while working those businesses. What do we know about that? Unfortunately, not much. Wesley's business partner, Dylan, is now considered the founder of On Deck Official, according to the website. There are social media photos of him and Wesley in the past. However, his public social media has no mention of Wesley. I even scrolled back to just before Wesley disappeared. And even around the time of his disappearance, June of 2018, you'd almost expect a post regarding his friend that was missing or sharing of the missing person's posters. But there aren't any, unless those posts were made private. I did reach out to some people that knew Wesley, but no one has any comment on that specific part of his life. And I don't know if it's because they don't want to talk about it, or perhaps they just don't know. Which leads me to another interesting fact about this case. It seems that while his mom is very vocal and putting herself out there, working to keep Wesley's case alive in the media, we aren't really hearing from any of his friends. And yes, that seems a little odd, considering this guy was known by so many people involved heavily in the social scene and would likely be surrounded and socializing with a lot of people. So doing some social media digging, it did lead me to a possible dark side of this case. Hearing from people in San Diego and the Pacific Beach area who knew Wesley, either casually or perhaps just in passing, said that he had developed a drug problem. One person said that he was always out and about and he would often leave places or even arrive late somewhere because he would say that he had to go meet someone. One acquaintance also mentioned that when he lost his job at the ad agency, that he was no longer working a legal job. So it isn't really clear what that means, or what type of drugs he might have even been involved in, or even if any of those statements are accurate. However, I do think because of the social scene that he was part of, being a club promoter, living in Southern California, college town, near the Mexico border, I think drugs are a distinct possibility here. So let's talk about theories. Theory number one, Wesley left on his own. If I put myself in the shoes of the investigators early on, I can definitely see why this was a thought. A young man down on his luck, struggling, maybe he just had had enough and had to get away. Even two months after his disappearance, when his truck was found, I think this was still thought of as a viable possibility. In fact, Wes almost seems like the poster child for this type of situation. However, Wesley was also a very social guy, very close to his family, extremely active on social media, What are the chances he would stay away from all of that for three years? Even if he left and started fresh somewhere else, it seems he would have at some point reached out to his mother. Especially seeing how much she loves him and knowing they were a close family. Still, this is definitely the most hopeful of all the theories. Theory number two, drug deal gone bad. 
Unfortunately, I think this is a possible scenario. If Wesley had found himself into drugs and then subsequently found himself without a job or cash flow, Wes could have gotten himself into trouble. Did he owe someone money? Did he intend to go to Mexico to buy drugs and something happened down there? Did this have anything to do with the reference of Wes not having a legal job? Theory number three, foul play at the hands of someone he knew. Maybe something else went down, not related to drugs, perhaps business-related. Or was there an argument over money, rent, or something else? Theory number four, suicide. I suppose this could also be a possibility, considering he was going through a very rough time. But this is a young man with an education and a family network that loved him. He had people to turn to if he needed them. And the question also persists, how did his black Ford Expedition come to be in the spot where it was found? It was not really within walking distance to the border crossing. And except for saying that most of his personal belongings were found inside, nothing more has been made public knowledge. Such as, were his cell phone and wallet located? Were there signs of a struggle at the truck? We do know it was found in a rural area. Did Wesley have any connections to anyone that lived out there? Or maybe did he have car trouble? Maybe ran out of gas, a flat tire, or something mechanical? Could he have hiked off from there after leaving his truck? Police are being tight-lipped on those particulars, which leads me to wonder if they do have some evidence they might want to keep under wraps. So what do you think happened to Wesley Billingsley? At the time of his disappearance, Wesley was 5 foot 8 inches tall, weighed about 140 pounds, had short dark hair and hazel eyes. Wesley also has several tattoos, including the flying ghosts with fangs from Ghostbusters on his upper right arm and a Japanese character right below the ghosts. It is mentioned from people that knew him that he had other tattoos as well, but I wasn't able to confirm what they might be or even find a picture of them. Something is keeping people quiet in this case, but Wesley's mother deserves answers. If you have any information as to the whereabouts of Wesley Billingsley or any information at all about his case, please contact San Diego Police Department at 619 531-2844. You can also submit an anonymous tip with Crime Stoppers at sdcrimestoppers.org or call them at 855-580-8477. If you want to also show your support to Wesley's mom, Crystal, she runs a Facebook page, Help Find Wesley Billingsley. The more likes a page gets on social media, the easier the page is to find and the more searchable it becomes. Please go give that page a like to help Crystal spread the word about her son. Share Wesley's story and let's keep his name out there. Someone has to know something. 
A reminder to check out Nanette Thomas's video up on our YouTube channel as well. Another missing persons case that completely flew under the radar. But this woman didn't disappear into thin air. And neither did Wesley Billingsley. If you have any case suggestions for us, please email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com. And if you are a regular listener to our show and enjoy it, please consider rating us on the app that you use to listen. Our show has seen some exponential growth this month alone, and we really want to keep that going and help even more cases get exposure. Finally, a thank you again to our partner Skillshare this week. You can learn more about them and get your free month of classes by using the link in our show notes. The last Thursday of every month, we will be going live on YouTube to discuss these cases. Please join us if you can and share your thoughts and theories. Sometimes those brainstorm sessions lead to important information being brought to light. I'd really love to know what your thoughts are on the disappearance of Wesley Billingsley and the other cases that we have talked about this month. We'll post the link on our social media, but plan on 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning into this episode and listening to Wesley Billingsley's story. We will be back again Friday with a bonus episode over on Patreon and back next week with our regularly scheduled show. So until next time, stay safe and hug your loved ones.